Danish from University of Waterloo, and you're listening to Now We're Talking, a podcast about communication skills. Just like the last few episodes, today I'm joined again by one of my students, Vlad. And uh, lately, Vlad, in Vlad's class, we've been talking a lot about interpersonal communication and small group communication. So the last bunch of uh, episodes have been about practices related to that. So Vlad's going to keep that going and talk to us about self-disclosure, I think, today. So Vlad, how are you doing? You want to introduce yourself and tell us what you want to talk about today? Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, so my name is Vlad. I'm a speech communication major. Um, I'm in my fifth year, and uh, today I'm going to be talking about self-disclosure uh, within small group communication and specifically related to, um, related to related self-disclosure. So in some of my experiences that I had with self-disclosure at school uh, and generally in life. Um, so a little bit more about rejection of self-disclosure. Uh, something to note is that self-disclosure actually happens in both interpersonal communications and small group communications. Um, but the difference is that self-disclosure in small groups can get much more intense versus interpersonal communications. Um, so an example of rejection would be when you disclose information that might be a little too personal in the current set setting or simply just doesn't fit the setting where you're self-disclosing. Um, <clears throat> so, and you get an odd reaction and or even turned down or even just ignored. Uh, see, when you're rejected in a small group setting, you're no longer just communicating with one individual. You now have an opinion of multiple people. Um, and commonly, if one would reject your self-disclosure, then others would as well uh, through the concept of groupthink. Um, and groupthink is a way for small group uh, to maintain unity. And so when a certain idea is put on the table, everyone agrees or disagrees with it, even if they have their own opinion on it. Um, and uh, so to continue, I just wanted to stress that you shouldn't be scared of self-disclosure, even though uh, there might be rejection. Uh, so, and actually the last thing you wanna do is go away from self-disclosure. So there are a couple of things you can avoid uh, to avoid rejection and self-disclosure, and it's focusing on related self-disclosure, something that can contribute to a group in some way. Um, so an example of this from my own experience is, uh, or actually was during one of my class assignments, and this was closer to the end when we were coming close to the deadline, and I had this uh, guy in my group that would constantly complain and share stories of what is happening in his life. Uh, sometimes about relationship things, sometimes about work things, and every single time our group would start getting things done, he would start talking about something else going on in his personal life. Um, and that's, it would completely off topic and the group would, uh, would reject his or ignore his stories. At one point, uh, another member actually spoke up about this and, and kind of really pushed him away. Um, so in this situation, then if the individual that was telling these stories for the benefit of moving forward uh, with a task at hand or even developing relationship of closeness with other team members would have been worthwhile. But because no one could really add um, anything to his self-disclosure and it didn't co connect with the task at hand, it didn't really go anywhere with it. So I, I think Vlad's example is probably a classic example that all of us have experienced at some point. We always, or uh, I seem to at least always encounter someone out there that 
uh, we might loosely describe as an, someone who overshares or shares at inappropriate times or in inappropriate ways. Um, they're calling out, they want closeness or they want to be acknowledged for their own personal experiences. But what they're missing is that all groups, and this is what makes self-disclosure more complicated in group settings, all groups have a kind of sense and a set of implicit rules or guidelines or um, or kind of metrics for determining what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. And this person was probably not thinking very much about what the whole group as a whole, where they located that line. Uh, that's one thing. And the second thing they weren't thinking about is what I'd like to tell my students, that they should always be asking who cares? Uh, why does this matter? So uh, if they weren't thinking about who cares about this personal bit of information, then they wouldn't have been doing the communicative work of linking it to whatever the group was invested in or involved in or whatever the purpose of the group was, et cetera. So the, the, those are two different things to look out for, but someone's got to be aware that every group has a line or a sense of what matters or what doesn't matter, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And there's always people kind of oversharing or overstepping those lines. And second, that um, we have to do extra work in small group settings to link whatever it is we're disclosing to something larger and more meaningful for the group as a whole. Yeah, I and I fully agree with that. It's uh, it's you really have to look at the task at hand and try and stay on topic. Um, and you should use you know personal experiences towards helping the group move forward, right? Um, when you're just experiences that will help develop or something that you know that another group member can add to it. And and with that, you'll be able to push the group forward to keep on moving to develop new ideas and kind of go from there instead of just kind of telling stories that are not really related and you can't really take anything out of it. Um, and um, yeah, so if we continue, um, I also wanted to talk about trust and self-disclosure. Um, so another reason that makes self-disclosure important and why you shouldn't avoid uh, it, it is trust. Um, it's important to not that is sorry. It's important to not that in small group communication, trust cannot be built up within a team if the members of the group feel that there are certain people keeping things to themselves. Um, and this is, I think, also a very, very important part of self-disclosure. I actually experienced this myself quite recently within one of my other small groups uh, in my game design class. Um, and the final assignment consisted of developing a game. Uh, we all broke down our roles. We had some programmers, some designers, some sound people. Um, and at the end of the term, there's an evaluation that we all fill out to see if everyone contributed an equal amount of work. Um, throughout the group. So during one of our group meetings, one of our members uh, came a little late because she had another class and I saw how one of my other group members was very frustrated with, with her, but he didn't really speak up or any like say comment on the situation. He was just really like getting upset and I saw that. Um, and he never explained how he felt about our members coming late or what's going on inside the group and kept it to himself. And because of this, I never felt like I fully trusted that member. I felt like he would keep this to himself and stay quiet. But when it came to the evaluations, he could anonymously, anonymously disclose how he felt about everyone's contribution. And and that that lack of trust is is something that you know we face in small group communication. So we have to make sure that we disclose appropriate amount of information and something if we feel a certain way about something, we should talk about it. So maybe 
potentially we can fix a problem and instead of just you know keeping to yourself this reminds me of also of of leadership and um moments in small groups um when leaders will disclose something about themselves and uh that the ability of that to magnify or increase the amount of trust in those other people that are are working with that particular leader so i guess uh, I'm thinking for myself right now about meetings that I have to run these days, and I almost always, early in 10 or 15 minutes into a meeting, disclose something about something that's going on in my life, uh, my kids, my my thoughts about uh, American politics, whatever it is. I disclose some detail about my own emotional kind of predispositions or what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling about recently, and I try my best to link it up with the discussion or the point that's under consideration. Uh, or what's going on largely with the group. And I do that in the hopes that other people will trust my ability to lead the meeting in a productive dimension, but also they'll trust my ability to form relationships with the other people in the group. So trust is both about the competence to, to kind of complete functional tasks uh, with other group members, but also the trust to um, turn to one another to build and maintain the relationships necessary for the completion of those functional tasks. So I think people in leadership positions often benefit from self-disclosure because of the way it magnifies trust. And I, I can never, these days I'm thinking a lot about Hillary Clinton and unfortunately, so many unfortunate things about her. But one thing that was very, very clear in her entire campaign is that people never trusted her. And that was directly, directly, directly connected to the fact that people really didn't feel that they knew anything authentic about her. She rarely was comfortable disclosing information, uh, detailed information about her life. She was not adept at self-disclosure. Um, and that really, really uh, it hurt her ability to be, to, to demonstrate her to be someone that was trustworthy with an audience. And Donald Trump, even though he lies and is a terrible person and is terrible for the country, people trust him and they believe him. But he's almost like a walking point of self-disclosure. He has no filter whatsoever. He's just constantly tweeting and um, and <laughs> demonstrating his own inner thoughts and feelings about things. Um, and people are drawn to that. That's magnetic for, for certain kinds of people, um, even if it's kind of misplaced or, or maldirected. Um, so trust can be inc incredibly useful for leaders, and disclosure can be an avenue to gaining that trust. Yeah, and um, it's it's important to when you're self-disclosing to not just focus on kind of the history of what happened. You have to focus kind of turn it into a story. You know, you want to tell a story. You want to connect with, even though it's a small group, there's still your audience. So when you're speaking, you you want to have you want to tell a story that you can relate to, even if it's even if it's if it's not completely like the goal of task. You know, you want to relate to your group members so that they can contribute something further on, not just simply just saying what's going on in your life. And in the end, like my previous example, where the group had nothing else to offer and it was just pushing them off the task at hand. Um, so, yeah. So with my two examples I've touched on uh, were the two types of self-disclosure that we really want to focus on. It's first one's being talking about experiences that relate to the current team goal. Um, and then second, talking about how you feel on what's going on inside the group. And uh, together you'll be able to develop that intimacy with your group members and, and develop that trust. And uh, it's something that you keep on coming back to and it, it's done implicitly, that, but you really have to 
focus on on aspects and maybe think through before you self-disclose certain information um, especially when it comes to personal life you sometimes it's just not the setting to disclose way too much um, and even though that does build trust it has to it has to be the right setting so think before you disclose so hold on let's get back to you were just introducing the distinction or the importance of, of story in that process also so I think it's useful to say a couple of things about how um, now we know about these boundaries and the lines between inappropriate and appropriate and, and the process of connecting self-disclosure to larger group concerns. But it's also important to talk about how one discloses um, things about themselves. And what you just said a, a second ago was that story was the way to do it. And I want to reiterate or highlight that point because I think it's really important. Um, we're not talking here about bland or neutral facts or bits of information about someone oh, I get up at 5.30 every morning. That's not, that doesn't constitute self-disclosure. So even a leader in a, in a position of leadership can't just give a bit of information about himself or herself. A, it might be inappropriate, the, con the content of the information. B, it might not be linked up to what the group's working on or what the group is concerned with. But C, it's not done in the right manner or the right form. You have to include those details in something like a story. You have to make it a narrative uh, and the making of a narrative pulls the audience in and attaches a larger meaning to that bit of information. Um, so, you know, why do I get up so early at, at, every day at the same time? If I can put that into a narrative, it will make it meaningful in a different kind of way for an audience. So um, the how one does disclosure is equally as important uh, as these other factors. And in my own classes, I'm constantly telling stories about what happens in my life and uh, I had um, I had a student tell me the other day, um, you know, that, oh, your life sounds so interesting. And I was the funniest thing I've ever heard because my life is so boring. It's the boringest possible life. But whenever I tell my students something that happened to me, I put it in a narrative. I just don't put a, a piece of detail or one detail in. Um, I put it inside a story and the story is is dramatized. It, it draws the audience in. So it makes it seem as if I have an interesting life when, in fact, I don't. And telling a story also aids that kind of work of building trust uh, with, with an audience uh, because it adds a dimension to the self-disclosure that wouldn't be there otherwise. So Vlad, you want to want to give us our uh, summary of our takeaways for today? Uh, yeah, so I'll just go over it again real quick. Uh, so first, make sure that you're sharing experiences that relate to the current goal. Um, and then second, uh, talking about how you feel about what's going on inside the group um, and, and to develop that intimacy and trust. So in conclusion, a good teammate engages in related self-disclosure by telling others what's going on in their own hearts and minds while engaged in teamwork and by relating uh, to other experiences outside the team to the current goals. Great. Thanks so much, Vlad. Uh, we're actually be making a bit of a transition in the next couple of weeks away from small group and interpersonal communication to some other forms of communication, writing and speaking, I think are, are next. Uh, but I'll keep, I'll keep inviting my students in to do these episodes. And uh, we look forward to you listening next time. Thanks. Bye.